Hello, everyone. This is Matt Yankovic. Welcome you to another Hoss Talks Foss podcast. I'm Percona's Hoss, the head of open source strategy, Matt Yankovic, welcoming you to another deep dive into the open source space. We really appreciate you hanging out, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, everybody. I'm here with Patrick McFadden, the VP of Developer Relations for Datastax. We're here to talk about his open source journey, some of the stuff he's working on, and some of the fun things happening at Datastax and in the Cassandra community. Hey, Patrick, how are you today? What's up, Matt? How are you doing? I'm great. It's a little warm here. It's actually like 75 and it's supposed to be cold and it's yeah. it's actually kind of hot. Yeah, it's not it's not typical. We shouldn't have this. I mean, I live in California. We we just haven't had bad weather at all this year. So uh, we need it. We could use it. <laughs> Well, what are you going to do, right? Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, you guys need the rain sometimes, and sometimes you get too much rain, and it, it, it's hit or miss in California. Uh, yeah. But everybody likes the weather because it's generally fairly mild, right? So, uh, it, yes, it's a it's it's a nice place to live. But um, you know what I miss is leaving it. <laughs> oh uh, well, yeah, we're yeah. all stuck, right? <laughs> yeah, I should be on a plane right now, but no, it's not happening. <laughs> when, when was the last in-person conference you attended? The last in-person conference was at the end of January. It was day-to-day Texas in Austin. And little did I know that was going to be the one and only conference I went to that year. So that was a year ago, January, not this January. Just right. to clarify. Yeah. 2020. I was, you know, I think the next big one I was booked to go to was uh, KubeCon in Amsterdam. And, uh, you know, we were all excited, you know, getting things together. And then it was like the, the world is going to crumbled and we're like, I think I should probably cancel my flight. <laughs> and of course, I mean, everything canceled at that point. And we thought, oh, well, it'll be a few months. And here we are. Well, yeah, I mean, we had to cancel, you know, our things as well, our conferences. And it was like, should you, should you not? And then some conferences are canceling, some aren't. And a lot of right. venues were coming back and saying, well, this other venue, you know, thing that was 10 times larger than yours is still going on. So why are you canceling? And so eventually everybody did cancel. It was just this really weird time at the beginning of last year. But I'm glad we see the light at the end of the tunnel. Right. Yeah. The the big one, like in the Bay Area where I live, was uh, like Oracle Open World, you know, I like oh, shit, yeah. or Dreamforce. You know, those two conferences just shut down San Francisco. And oh, yeah. Happened. Yeah. yeah I, I've, I've gone to. Uh, open world once a long time ago. And I had to like, the only hotel that I could get was in like, uh, San Mateo. So that's quite a a year out. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So it it, it was, they actually had buses and it took like an hour to get in or an hour and 15 minutes every day to get in from there. So it was like, ah, that's crazy. Crazy sauce. That's about (laughs) how far away I live from downtown. It's about an hour. So I just said, nah, I'll commute it in. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. There you go. So so you've been at Datastax for approaching nine years now. Yeah. It's, uh, thanks. Makes me feel old. Um, but yeah, I've been here for a while. Um, and it's it's OK. It's OK. <laughs> it's OK. That's all you could say about it. Come no, on. You've had an exciting time there. You know, the, the people ask me like, man, you know, you've been at one company for a long time. And, and if you look at my LinkedIn, like that wasn't the, the thing before. So what happened? And it was just because in 2011, I think when I first started working with Apache Cassandra, you know, and I mean, we could talk about backgrounds, but it was kind of at that point where I'm like, you know what? This is a good thing for me to spend a good portion of my life making a thing. 
because I feel like this is a very important database for the future. And this is one that I want my kids to use. So thankfully, I found a company that aligns with my values and I'm still here. <laughs> oh, well, that's good, right? So it, it's always good to find kind of that home. Now, what attracted you to open source in the first place? I mean, I, I know you were an architect before. Uh, you know, did you know some sysadmin uh, architecture work as a as a director management space? So, what kind of attracted you more to this open source movement, if you will, and and got you kind of galvanized into yeah, I want to make that a career? Well, you know, it's funny because I I started most of my my IT career at a university at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and um, you know, I, I also went to school there, but. This is in like 95, 96. And I was, you know, I was working for our computing services and we were doing a lot of Linux. I was doing kernel updates on Linux all the time because it was one of the things where I like. And here's a classic open source story is Cal Poly as a university would get donations from companies like 3Com. They'd be like, hey, here's a box of network cards. And we used a lot of Linux in our subsystems. And like these brand new cards didn't work. I mean, there was no kernel driver for them. So my boss would throw it on my desk and say, figure out how to make it work with all our Linux boxes. And so I would sit there and hack out the kernel, you know, do the, the things that needed to happen to get the. But there's no way I could get that done without open source. It was like, yeah, if I called Sun or somebody like that, they would be like, no. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or why don't you install Solaris or buy, you know, real hardware? Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. It's like, I'm sorry, that's not on the approved list. You know, what's approved? I mean, this is a brand new, like they were giving us a uh, hundred megabit cards and no one ever saw before. So what am I going to do? <laughs> that's right. Open I mean, source. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I got started similarly, like about the same time. So you were saying mid 90s, right? So mid 90s yep. is when I went to school and uh, I took a job at an Internet service provider. And so back then it was it was Pearl, CGI, you know, uh, all that fun stuff. And I worked at an Internet service provider. So we, we had all Linux machines. You know, everything was mm -hmm. kind of custom built. There wasn't a whole heck of a lot of um knowledge or information on you know how to how to make some of this work so you kind of were inventing it as you went yeah, it, it was this that. and usenet and and luck and you know roll up your sleeves that was i i you know but i for from being an engineer it was a really cool time because we knew we were doing I mean, it felt like you're a pirate most of the time you know you're like because at the time open source was like a, a naughty word like um, we had to like purposely shield our provost from the, the fact we were using open source software. Um, we had vendors and they would be angry if we like IBM was a big factor at the university or for Cal State University. And if they found out we were not using AIX for everything, they would have been very grumpy. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Right. I mean, that would be like the, the death knell. Right. Like if, if that they're like, oh, my God, what are you going to do? Right. <laughs> exactly. So we're just like, what's that machine over there? Oh, uh, this is just a, a file server when it's actually running the entire university's website. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally get that. Right. And, and I think that I've seen that from other corporate entities where you see some corporate entities that 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 come out and, you know, it's it's that. Like, oh, well, don't tell anybody we're running this. You know, yeah. it's under someone's desk. <laughs> and and that used to be the mentality, especially in, in the, the late 90s. It wasn't until, 
really Oracle started to adopt, um, you know, their their Oracle Unbreakable Linux. Then all of a sudden, a lot of companies were like, oh. And I remember having conversations with uh, legal teams about like the legality of the GPL. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, so I worked for a GE owned company, uh, uh, trucking company, Penske Logistics uh, and uh, Penske uh, Truck Leasing. And, uh, you know, back then I was an Oracle DBA and it was always this kind of back and forth. Well, we don't know if we can use that. It's going to break so much in the infrastructure and it's going to cause so many issues. Uh, yeah. You know, what if we get sued? And then there was the SCO Linux thing where it was like, oh, yeah, yeah we're, we're all going to get sued. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and so there was that that huge arc. Now, now what's interesting now is, you know, you, you have like this. Is it open? Is it not open? You, you, you have that thing that happened back in the 2000s. And now it's kind of coming back with the whole SSPL. Like you're, now you're starting to see these database vendors and companies. All of a sudden, we're going to go more closed source. And I'm hearing from companies again going like, can I use that? Is, is, yeah. is that a... I I did for a few years. I did some talks at OzCon. Pour one out, OzCon. Pour OzCon. Um, and I did these. I just did talks about the business of open source because I felt like it was a always a relevant topic and always it was evergreen. Because every time I did a talk on it, the room was always full of people going, uh, "Well, DataStacks does that. Tell us something." And you know, it's it's that that the whole duality. And this is you know times when I'm talking to. Um, you know, folks about GPL versus Apache license or then the GPL three, you know, that was a big controversy because, wow, it's even more restrictive. You know, we we're going to fix the, you know, the prop, the loopholes that were in GPL two. And then there was this whole bunch of other like extra like AGPL, you know, AG, AGPL, probably the most misunderstood and definitely most derided of all of them because, you know, I remember one of the discussions was, you know, it's, it's pronounced AGPL, the middle finger's silent. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, now we have this whole bunch of like alternative licenses that are popping up. Um, and I, I just always, I always go back to the same thing I always said is you want, if you want, Restrictive licensing, open source licensing, GPL is still your friend. If you want true open, Apache license v- V2 is still pretty good. I mean, it it indemnifies people, um, it does patent protection, and it guarantees that it is really open. You know, it's like, no, you can do whatever you want with this. You could fork it, you can rename it, do whatever you want. And that that's that to me seems like open. That's the open part of it. Um, when we get into oh these, yeah, totally. It's open source unless your name is Amazon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, you can have, like, it is kind of weird to have licenses that are basically geared towards one company. Um, but it's, I, I mean, I, I think it's, it, my opinion, for what it's worth, is it's it's investor-driven money play that, you know, how do we get more shareholder value? And and you, you hear like the arguments from a lot of these these companies that are changing things. And the argument tends to be, we just want to be fairly compensated, right? That, I mean, and, and that's where it's like, you know, oh, and, and that's the argument about like, you know, we're going to change this because, you know, oh, the cloud is going to steal our money. Uh, but the companies are making money. It's not like they're not. Uh, and on top of that, I don't hear any of the executives complaining about pay. So that's just me. I, I think this is this is heavily investor driven. But I agree. We, we've seen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that, that when 
when we first saw like the uh, Common Core license, and there was a few others, um, those are 100% VC driven. And yeah. uh, I, I know that because uh, when Heather Meeker was working on her version of like, open source license, that was being funded by VC. And, you know, that was when we heard uh, the term um, open source strip mining. <laughs> You know, we put all this money into this company and now this other company is extracting value. All right. Well, did you look at the pitch deck when they showed up and said, we're going to put this as an Apache license? And did you even know what that meant? I feel like they just missed it. Well, and I think that's where you start to see, you know, as as these companies overlap, you, you actually if you track the dots, you actually see that they 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 all kind of funnel back up to the same VCs, the same investors, mm-hmm. um, just kind of repeating. It's like an Adam Sandler movie. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, where you bring in all of the same actors for every movie. Um, it's, it's a similar thing. I, I went and I, I actually looked at the executive teams and the management teams from all these companies, and there's almost zero open source experience, you know, in the whole lot. You know, I think, uh, you know, you've got Oracle, you've got Cisco, you've got, you know, um, New Relic, you've got... Um, you know, all these companies that are, quote unquote, big companies, um, but they're all proprietary, you know, hardware, software type execs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those are mostly driven by, you know, hey, we're an investment firm, we're coming in, and we're going to, you know, um, we're, we're going to tell you, hey, you should hire these people because they know what they're doing. Um, yeah. But, you, you know, the, we, we can't dismiss that the cloud has been disruptive. Right. You know, the, the fact of the matter now is, you know, that the, the whole industry's changed because of the cloud and licensing aside. Now, you know, we're in this age of enabling developers where it's all about how can, you know, developers self-serve? How can they kind of push the envelope a bit more? And and that's led to really the, you know, that the folks who have worked in the database space for a long time, like myself or others, to wonder where do, where do they go? Mm-hmm. And I know you've got some thoughts on that kind of journey from the DBA space. Tell, tell us a little bit about where, where you're seeing things evolve. Yeah, well, and first of all, you know, I'm a DBA too. I I got my I got my tickets from Oracle. I'm a I'm an Oracle DBA recovering. Um, but you know, that was does it does it take you that long to recover? Because what it's been years. Yeah, right? exactly. Now I can <laughs> I still wake up and go redo log. Oh. <laughs> okay, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I was doing a delete in my dream, and it was terrible. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's DBAs. Are kind of let's face it; uh, these are my people. This is uh, we made the world what it is today, and and there's no denying it. But as everything happens, it's it's an evolution. And so, you know, you and I have talked about this, and I've been talking to a lot of folks about it. Is this whole transition where I I want to help a large group of people get to one place. And that's that DBA to SRE transition. Um, SREs are really that that being an SRE now, especially in a cloud native world is the the future. That's where things are going. Um, And I, what I hate to see is DBAs feeling like they're not invited or that they're, they just have no place, you know, like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm turned all of a sudden I woke up and I'm the mainframe person. Um, no, <laughs> not at all. Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 I, I think there's some fear there, though, right? I think so, too. And I think it's well-founded because you could get relegated really quickly to something that you just, you know, it's not a very good career move. But, you know, it's, it's like I think this is worth the discussion. It's like, what All right, what are the transportable skills and 
How can we make that transition? And what I've seen is, you know, the, the thing that DBAs generally excel at is always that kind of problem solving and troubleshooting. Because let's be honest, as a DBA, I, I can't remember the number of times that I got the phone call, it's slow. And, you know, there, there, there's no more information than it's slow. Right. Right. That, that's it. And so you get the call, it's slow, and then you have to defend that, hey, your database isn't the bottleneck, it's the application somewhere else. And you have to go up and down the stack to basically defend like, you know, what you've got. And, and that kind of background and mentality of, of being in, you know, that middle ground where you're between the hardware and the system and you're between the application, you live in that middle world, you have to have a foot in both worlds, which makes us a little more adaptable to those uh, roles of an SRE or DBRE or whatever you want to call it, where now we have those skills uh, to go out and to do that troubleshooting. Um, and I just wrote a blog uh, just a couple days ago on uh, the skills that you need for that SRE. Um, and I'm curious, you know, like what skills do you think really shine when you talk about that role? Well, yeah. So if you, you know, Matt, I'm sure you've done this a million times. When you, when you're a DBA it's your responsibility, and I, and I know how many times have we sat there at the operating system getting kernel parameters set up properly, getting the storage correct, even like attached storage or local storage, um, installing the software, you know, paying attention to all the details and thinking of it as a system, but in a local setting. Um, where SREs now, and, and if you're using Kubernetes, and you will because Kubernetes is the way we do things now, what you're doing is you're setting up virtual data centers. But the way that those things are set up, and it, this is, I think, the interesting part of Kubernetes is, is taking those similar concepts of like system builds and putting it into a configuration file. So if a DBA is sitting there like, hey, I need, when I install my database, um, I need to make sure all these things, here's my list of things that need to be correct. Sim, similar type of thinking. Storage, um, is my compute correct? Um, is my networking uh, configured correctly? So just the basic knowledge of how these things are interconnected and then what they really mean for performance. I can't tell you how many SREs I've run into that, well, I'm just going to assume everything is awesome and deploy this thing. And then, uh-oh, <laughs> you know, they're just not thinking about, well, I'm building something for performance. They're just getting it out there. And I'd say that, a DBA skill is, oh, I will use the good well, stuff. <laughs> and, and this is where I think that what we've done is, is we've made it so easy for people to get started with a lot of the databases that they do mm -hmm. skip over a lot of those core skills and the core things that they need to do. Honestly, this is why we see so many database breaches. They're not breaches. They're leaving the front door open, yeah. you know, and, and with a big sign up front that says, you know, come on in, my data is free because they're not setting passwords, right? You know, they they just click a button. It starts up with no password and, you know, like, great, I, look at me. Let me copy <laughs> over a terabyte of, you know, personal data from people. Uh, but you, you also see that, you know, now, oh, well, if we need more capacity, we'll just, yeah, go to the next instance, swipe the credit card, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's a dangerous, uh, you know, process because eventually you run out of capacity, and you waste a ton of extra space, time, effort, money. It's a dangerous, slippery slope. Well, DBA's been a really uh, important gatekeeper in a lot of ways because data infrastructure is typically the most expensive, right? 
that's where you get your high performance storage. That's where you get the most expensive servers. And for good reason. I mean, that if your database is slow, then everything is slow. And um, it is has been and still will be the center of the universe for running applications, whether it was back in my LAMP stack <laughs> back in the day or your CGI Perl one, <laughs> um, which I guess that was LAMP. Um, but to, you know, cloud native, modern data apps are still a thing. And thinking about all of the aspects, like being able to test performance, being able to know how the security should be set up. And with like Kubernetes, completely different game of security, but it isn't. You know, it's, it's virtual firewalls. It's port, port access is very restrictive. Um, but I don't know any DBAs who don't know how to deal with that. That's just a core competency. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you just got to learn the configuration file. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and I think that's where it's super interesting as you start to look um, at, at, at this new paradigm that exists where, you know, developers kind of rule the roost. They get to choose the technologies. They get to choose... Uh, a lot that enabling them and securing them and preventing them from doing the things that are going to kill you um, or, you know, cause issues, it, it's critical to build those guide rails and build in flexibility. Uh, but it, it's interesting because you get this mixed message. And so I have no personal beef with cloud providers or other database providers if they're proprietary, not proprietary. I just don't like when people get kind of like misled. That's my thing, right? That That's kind of where I draw the line mm -hmm. is, you know, hey, if you want to sell a license, sell a license, right? You know, go for it. Uh, I think open source will beat you, but that's okay. Um, same thing in the cloud. You know, hey, if you want to run databases as a service and you want to go and just, you know, put everything in Amazon or Microsoft or Google, go for it, right? Just as long as you know what you're getting into. And I think that, you know, what I've seen is a lot of uh, marketing material messaging around these is it's set it and forget it, right? You're like, you don't need a DB anymore. You don't need that skill set. Um, you, you, you just mm -hmm. click the button. I actually saw on Twitter uh, this week, uh, somebody posted a quote from a, a trainer from one of the big cloud providers. And the quote was something along the lines of, you don't need a database anymore because storage is so cheap, right? And it's like, what, 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 what? Um, you know. Yeah, I know, I, and I get that sentiment. Um, and <laughs> to be fair, like I just did a talk at um, this week at Developer Week, and <laughs> you're gonna love the title, you're gonna hate it. Um, which I was saying, stop using databases and start using data services. And um, I also just wrote an article for the new stack, which will be coming out very shortly, about how the revolution in serverless databases will happen in open source. Um, so I'm going to glue these things together for just that's for OK. <laughs> no, and here's the thing. I don't yeah. mind it. Like, honestly, like the server architecture, the data services, there's still a database behind these. Yeah, there is. And. And I think the up level of thinking for DBAs as they're going into SRAs is thinking about like still critical. You know, these are still critical parts of your infrastructure, but it's providing a service for the developers. Like you said, developers are making choices. Um, and this is where if you're deploying something on Kubernetes, say, for instance, deploying your data services on Kubernetes and providing that for your development team is just as critical. And yeah, there's a database behind it, but this is part of your is part of your setup. When you're going through, when you're going through your, you're creating deployment in Kubernetes, um, what you're doing is you're, you're assembling the right parts so that whenever developers are having that API discussion or whatever they're having, 
they're not making very many right. trade-offs and you're giving them the service that they need to be successful. And that's a really critical part of any enterprise. Yeah, no, definitely. So I would be remiss because to, to not ask, because you know you, you do work for data stacks and I, I think about 40% <laughs> of our uh, people who uh, you know, kind of follow Percona are also using Cassandra. What's new and exciting in the world mm -hmm. of Cassandra? What are you guys working on and what's kind of like the, 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 the new sweetness um, out there? Yeah, what is new? Well, all right, for, for one, Cassandra 4.0 finally is shipping and yay. <laughs> go, go team. Um, and I, I think it's, it'll be one of the most stable databases today uh, that you can download. And it's just because of how much time has gone into database stability. Um, I know you had Einrich on and you can't get anybody more knowledgeable about database internals and stability. And the guy's really in rarefied error. Um, but what I think is the most interesting and the most exciting right now is what I was just talking about, like this move to serverless uh, in databases where, you know, the typical and this is this is what I, I this is what I just wrote about for the new stack. And so, like I said, I'm giving you the preview because <laughs> I don't know when it's going to be published. Um, it's, you know, the typical stack for when you deploy a database or any server, really, but a database especially. You know, the, the, there's a tight integration between CPU, storage, network, everything's you know, in that box. And that and we started trying to build things around commodity in that. Well, in cloud native and what we're building for even in enterprises and in clouds or wherever you are, that commodity definition has changed. And it's now compute, storage, network, and you each one is metered. You pay for each one of them as you need it. So instead of uh, building capacity around, well, um, you know, I, with C Cassandra, you know, when you use Cassandra, you think of how big is my cluster going to be? How many nodes? And then that's your cost because it's running 24-7. And sure, you can bring it down if you need to, but not a lot of people do that. So what we're working on at Datastax right now is this idea of, of really, truly separating compute and storage so that you pay for exactly what you need. And then um, whenever you're like, for instance, if you do need to do a million writes per second for five minutes, then you pay for that. And then you stop. You just pay for the storage at that point. And, you know, that I think this is along the line of what's happening with clouds is what they want you to do. But the thing that's really important for us is that that happens in open source. You want to run it on your own data center? You want to run it on your laptop? Go for yeah, it. I mean, it's that it's that, you know, you have power then. Right. It's about maintaining control of your data and your infrastructure. And, you know, you can choose one cloud provider over another. And I think that's one of the great things about Kubernetes is it is kind of an equalizer. Yeah, it, it is. And going back to the DBA, the SRE thing is um, this is, you know, how we configure that and how we build them um, still needs intimate knowledge of how data works. It's not just an app. It's it's that knowledge of stateful applications, which is a not a lot of folks in the Kubernetes world know how to run stateful applications. It is it is the wild west right now. Oh, it's great! I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like hacking out kernel drivers for my three com card. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and we know that there's a lot of work going on to that because we're we're talking with several folks in the data and Kubernetes community. And we're, we're working on what we can do to kind of bring forces to bear from multiple companies to try and help build that stateful infrastructure. I'm, yeah, we've been in a few meetings and I think this is exciting for me because I feel like, okay, we're, we're making this legit. 
And that and what that means is hey, I always love that that new community smell like, oh, it's so good, <laughs> you know, because everyone's excited. And um, wow, we're starting something really interesting here. And, and I don't I don't know about you, but no one I talk to says, well, wow, that's a dumb idea. Um, but, you know, we're, we're looking at what we're going to do. I think we're going to have some really cool event stuff going on around KubeCon Europe in May. Um, you and I'll be there in force, I'm sure. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it, it should be exciting. And, uh, you know, I think that it is a cool space where there's it's ripe for innovation, really excited for us to kind of work together on what we can bring to it, see what we what problems we can solve, hopefully make uh, the world a bit more open as 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 we like to all focus on. It's always always a good thing. Right. Oh, yeah. I love that part. Yeah. Um, And, you know. Playing, uh, beating the cloud at their own game seems really. Good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to disrupt, right? That's the that's the nature of open source is disruption, and so let's disrupt the disruptors. Um, that that's that's the, always the mantra. So, uh, Patrick, yeah. it was great having you on. I'll give you the final word. Is there anything that you'd like to talk about? Anything you want to pitch? Anything that you, that you want people to know about that's coming up? What's going on? Well, I gave you the serverless one. That was a big one. Uh, but yeah, we would love if you want to be a part of what we're doing with Kubernetes and Cassandra. If you're a DBA, uh, we have the Kate Sander project, which is really I, this. Is, I spend a lot of time working on Kate Sander right now. And Kate Sander is a cutely named project. But really what we're doing is we're gathering SRE knowledge around running Cassandra and Kubernetes. Um, and it's it's got a lot of components that are really good. And if you want to join that community, it's all open source. Uh, we do SIG meetings through the uh, Apache Software Foundation every couple of weeks. So if you want to hit me up on the ASF Slack, I'm always there. Um, and, uh, you know, it in- integrates uh, Stargate, which I'm, that you and I have talked about a bit too, which is um, a data gateway for backend databases. And so we're, we're, you know, we've got some cool stuff happening in the open source field there. So if you're interested in joining one of those communities, Stargate or Kate Sandra, We'd love to have you. Well, great, Patrick. Wonderful talking with you. I hope you have a great rest of the week and appreciate you coming on. And hopefully we'll see you at Percona Live and we'll have you on in a future episode to talk about some other cool things. That'd be great. Thanks, Matt. This has been the Hoss Talks Foss. I'm the Hoss, Matt Yankovic. I want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you'll subscribe to this podcast and listen to future episodes. We appreciate everything that you do to make open source awesome. Thank you.